Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to episode 80 of the Cloudcast. Yes, I'm not Brian Gracely or Aaron Delp. Uh, we're coming to you live from our unplugged Cloudcast studios here at the Vero Madness event in Durham. This is Amy Lewis, and I've taken our podcast from Aaron and Brian for the day. And yes, I did take it um, in the way that sounds, uh, actively. Some of you may know me as Comms Ninja from Twitter. Uh, if you're not on the Twitters, then, um, well, I can't really speak to that. That'll have to get edited out. The host, <laughs> I am the host of Engineers Unplugged, or also known as that girl who came in last in running the Krispy Kreme Donut Challenge with the Cloudcast guys. Um, Either way, I'm playing host today, and I'm joined by a great roundtable of guests to talk about how cloud computing is impacting their world. So, hey everybody, please introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Rusty Bizard. I'm a consulting systems engineer with Cisco, focused on technologies like UCS and Nexus. My name is Jason Nash. I'm the data center practice director for Vero, uh, focused basically on anything EMC, Cisco, VMware, except where end-user computing is involved. My name is Elijah Sukenborg. I work with Chiquita Brands, headquartered out of Charlotte, and uh, my title is Project Leader uh, Infrastructure slash Architect, and uh, my responsibilities are primarily storage, VMware, and anything data center related. Fantastic. So, uh, well, let's kick this off. We've got a topic of buzzwords. You can't come to an event and not hear a bunch of them. So, tons of buzzwords out in the market today. How is cloud impacting each of you today. And uh, we can go around the table, we can talk about public-private, software-defined, that's a favorite topic. I was going to say, don't you mean software-defined cloud? <laughs> As a service. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, winner is whoever can use the most buzzwords in one sentence without a breath. Go. <laughs> so, you know, these, these words come out for a reason. They are kind of frustrating, but we try to use a common language. So, so what's the impact on, on the business? What's the, the cloud buzz for each of you? So the, for cloud, for me, it means so many different things. As an end user, you know, you have your iPhone, which you access your, your own information as a consumer. But as a business, you start thinking about the flexibility it allows you to do, meaning you can actually access data centers in different parts of the country, for instance, or move workloads around. So it gives you a lot of flexibility in how you actually talk to and, and move to uh, your workloads, if you will. What I'm finding is, A, customers are tired of hearing the word cloud, they're quickly tired of hearing software defined, but let's say they're tired of hearing cloud, but then they're asking us to help them build their own clouds by using different words and different terms. So we are seeing a lot more uh, requests and you know serious looks at orchestration, automation, um, chargeback, capacity management, all these things that build a cloud. But man, don't don't say cloud to a lot of people. Yeah, um, I'm a customer, so really all that that I can speak of is. Um from a customer standpoint or, or viewpoint, what I think some of the challenges will be. Um, I think the main challenge is, is likely um, all of the, the business units within an organization understanding what cloud mm -hmm. is. There's so many different, so many different uh, ideas and, and thoughts behind what a cloud is. For example, a private cloud. Um, can you have a private cloud in a single data center? Does it require multiple data centers? Um, you know, my leadership, for example, is presented uh, all the time um, from from vendors of, uh, you know, move this to the cloud, move that to the cloud. Well, what does that mean? Does it mean um, a cloud at a single data center where um, we're going to see the same uh, performance every day? Or does it mean today your application may be data center one, the next day data center two? Um, are the performance in the, in the um, you know, bandwidth and, and things of that sort, uh, can we expect any, any differences? So, uh, again, it's um, what is the cloud? 
Um, and um, it would be nice to uh, for everyone to, to have the same understanding of truly yeah. what it is. Um, uh, I, I think, think that's a, a, yeah. a really interesting point in terms of we use the terms, we overuse the terms, we abuse the terms, and mm-hmm. it makes it even harder for us to understand what the other person that, means. That's it. We do what... Well, an odd term, but we'll do like a cloud gap analysis for a customer. You know, we're here, we're virtualized, we got basic VMware set up. We want to do all these other great things. And one of the first things that I do is I'll sit down with the CEO and say, okay, what does cloud mean to you? So let's make sure we all talk on similar terms and we're all looking at the same end result. And what does cloud mean to you? And what does that talk about? And what does that include and exclude? And that's one of the things that we do a lot of from the you know VAR partner point of view is education and really qualifying what we all mean by this. And that's where I think people are tired of hearing cloud because it's overused. It means everything from my Gmail account to Dropbox to CrashPlan to AWS and you know a true cloud offering. And people are just tired of hearing about it because everybody's latched onto it as the next thing to tag onto their product set. Do they essentially mean not on my device, not on my hardware? Is Sometimes. That- I think that's what cloud means to people. Sometimes they mean not on my premise when really we talk a lot more private cloud. I mean, you go, you can't go to VMworld without getting public cloud just shoved at you. But the majority of the customers that we deal with, what I term high commercial, low enterprise, I think Chiquita, I've known Elijah for a while, is a great example of that. Is, is they're not pushing out to public nearly as fast as you would think by reading all the market trends and you know the magazines and all that. There's still a lot of private building with some look at doing some dev test up in the public. So sometimes I think it's a bit overhyped. So curious, again, taking back to Elijah, and what helps you kind of get the message across kind of up and down the stack internally? What can vendors, what can partners well, do to clarify? Speaking from... from um, you know, in my personal opinion, I think there's there's two different views of cloud. So there's what an engineer thinks mm-hmm. and knows the cloud truly is, and then what the business sees mm-hmm. as the cloud. So, for example, um, I can have a single data center and have a, a vSphere environment within that single data center, and I can use um, vCloud Director, for example. Um, the user says, oh, we have a, a cloud environment. I can go in. I can use self-service tools and provision my own VMs, whatever. It's in the cloud. But I, I really know that if we have a, a failure at that data center, there's no cloud. You have an outage. Yeah. A, a cloud to me is um, is managing workloads over several sites. Yeah. Should site A fail, site site B is is working. That's that's a cloud to me. So, um, it's just one aspect of the cloud. So, um, again, I think it's uh, how, how do I communicate to um, to my users and my business units? It's very difficult because no matter what I say, they're going to have a sales pitch from Rackspace, for example. Don't know if I'm allowed to, to use <laughs> use those words or not, but um, but but anyways, and they're gonna they're gonna tell them a completely different thing. Sure, they're gonna tell them what their cloud right. consists of, and then the next vendor what their cloud consists of, and then they're gonna read some things online. So it's it, it's challenging. But it sounds like uh, it sounds like business demands are driving us. No matter what it means, it's the direction the business is going. I'm, I'm sort of hearing that universally, and I guess that's why it gets talked about so much because we all want to get there faster, bigger, better, and. But I think Elijah brings up a great point, talking about how the business is pushing down technology, where the technology, in Elijah's case, you know, you're having to meet that business demand, but it's not always an easy problem to solve. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great point. So uh, cloud preference, we've got a lot of them. Um, we've talked about public, pri- public, private, hybrid, uh, software defined. I got to go there. So. 
you know, separate from the cloud <laughs> conversation, software defined. I feel like it's the buzziest of buzzwords. It's the buzziest of buzzwords, and it's uh, you know we, we were kidding in the lab the, yesterday that we no longer do VDI, we do software defined desktops as a service, <laughs> right? And really, that that is as good as any other software defined nomenclature that I've seen used. So. You know, I think it's it's yet again it's that next thing that people are attaching to. I think there's some some benefit to it. You know, VMware always talks software defined data centers, software defined services. I think there's a lot of meat there that they're not conveying to the user community. So I, again, that's another one of those things I talk about. People are like, what do you mean software defined service? Well, what if you could check boxes and have your load balancing, your firewalling, all this stuff set up for you? Why is you provision a VM on software so you're not touching it? That's a great idea. That's software defined networking and software defined services. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. So to get, just do a better job of getting that across and stop attaching SD to everything. And I think we'd, we'd be further along. Yeah, what do you think, uh, again, in terms of what you're saying in the real, the real world, the engineer perspective? Um, from from my standpoint, supporting inter an enterprise environment, um, software defined scares me. Um, it, it really does because um, to me, when you hear software defined, you're removing the tangible, the physical aspects mm -hmm. of of what an infrastructure has been for years, and you're putting it on a, a, a flat level or a flat layer of software. Um, so, for example, uh, if you upgrade that level of software, what's the impact that it's going to have? Maybe maybe uh, there will be bug, a bug that would affect storage or and not network or vice versa. Um, and again, removing those those physical aspects and putting everything within a software, uh, it does it does scare me. Um, that being said, it offers a lot of flexibility. You know, it offers a lot of features and functionality that we've never had. Um, so it's. Uh, so count yourself Boring. curious, but uh, curious, but, but waiting, uh, but not see ready to go to full but, yeah. production. But, but, but hesitant. Um, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of risk involved. Um, I'd love to get I, Rusty's viewpoint. I mean, coming yeah. from the Cisco <laughs> side, I yeah, mean, absolutely. you guys are running to software defined about as fast as anybody can these days. What do yes. you think? I mean, are you seeing, I'm seeing a lot of, I don't know, I'd call it uncertainty, I think is the way to put it. I think uncertainty is a definitely way to put it. Um, when you start talking to people, not only that, you start talking about how do you do business today? How would software defined change that, right? And it comes down to, as Cisco being a traditional hardware manufacturer, it comes down to us saying, okay, how do we kind of move the ship more towards software-defined, being more flexible, open up APIs and things like that so you can actually talk across software as opposed to being a traditional hardware. Some of the things you'd see, just so far as going back to what you said, services, Calopia being mm -hmm. one of those services, right? The idea that you have the portal to go through checkbox things so that you can actually roll out applications and hardware much more efficient, but it comes back to, okay, how does Calopia talk to the hardware? Mm -hmm. So that's that's the way we're approaching it, more or less from an API perspective. So uh, a buzzword, but one that we're all kind of wrestling with. It's sort of interesting that, you know, sometimes the buzzwords lead and, yes, and you've got to figure it out. Um, how about, we got a couple more here. I feel like this is a Roshark test for me. <laughs> so I say DevOps, you say... <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Ouch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's something that's kind of kicked up. And, you know, well, there's a lot of organizations that have kind of had that DevOps mentality for a while, but now it's kind of to the forefront. I'm going to blame Mick Weaver for some of that, just kind of getting it out there for a lot of those people. But um, I don't know. We're seeing some of that, but I think that's very industry and organizational specific. 
and probably not in a lot of the orgs we work with. I see that in a lot of the more dynamic, I don't want to say service provider, but you know, offering those type of services. I just don't, I don't see you guys having developers constantly changing things, helping operations, that tight integration. It's just not something, I think that's one that's kind of outrunning the reality of it. Hmm. I would agree from my experience, but because, I mean, we, we tout a lot of this flexibility, but the truth of the matter is you don't see a lot of people tapping into that flexibility of DevOps and, like you said, the developers coming into operations and changing things. I would agree with that yeah. from my experience. So do you think that's an enterprise problem? I take it to you, Elijah. Is that, like an, is that a scale issue? Is that, that something smaller organizations would be willing to take on? Is this... I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I think that... Where I'm seeing it is, you know, I, I don't know if this is a bad term or not, but, you know, I see you guys as traditional enterprise, let me call it that, whereas I'm not seeing that in the traditional enterprise space, mm-hmm. um, mainly because knowing what I know about their environment, it's a not a ton of customized code running around. When I used to work for an investment bank, we had a ton of customized code running around, and that is a completely different mentality, and I would absolutely see that you know, the way we used to work in the investment bank was we said products have a six-month life cycle, right? We build it, we get it, we make money on a certain type of, of trade or, or, or whatever we're doing, and then six months later the world catches up to us and we sell it off to somebody else and let them make a little bit of money. And so the development teams were much closer to the infrastructure there than what I would see in, in what, again, I would call a legacy enterprise environment. So, all right, one last one. Work with me here. Uh-huh. Converged infrastructure. Well, we just saw Frank talking at the keynote. Um, From our point of view, I mean, my job is to converge infrastructure. So whether it's from us, whether it's from VCE, uh, the the result is for, you know, a single instance for the customer to be happy. I'd much prefer to hear their point of view on that. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I would kind of go back to um, the discussion of software defined, you know. Talking software-defined converged infrastructure again. <laughs> um, winner, winner. <laughs> um, offer that as a service. You may just do it. Exactly. So, um, you know, within the enterprise space, um, you know, risk uh, risk versus benefit. Um, you know, enterprises they need flexibility. Uh, yeah. Unsure. Again, it's, it really just goes back to yeah, uh, un- unsure. Mm-hmm. Um, still learning more about it, you know, uh, and what impact does it have? Um, Do you, you know, see infrastructure as being, you know, just a commodity at this point? Do you care what's underneath? Do you want to buy this as a package and and worry about the applications and up the stack? Or is that something you feel, from an enterprise point of view, it still is concerning about what goes into those pieces and parts? I think it depends. It depends on the I don't really know. I mean, I, I think it depends on, on the organization and the enterprise itself. And, and I think it's, I think from an enterprise being a customer, it's, it's going to be different depending on the corporation and the needs of the business. And, and I would agree. Just talk, coming back to converged infrastructure, it comes down to basically where you're going to handle this risk. So what I mean by that is you look in most organizations, there's not one single vendor that implements the entire data center. It's impossible, right? You have VMware in there. You have Cisco. Uh, probably EMC, right? So you have all these different players in the data center. And if there's an issue, who do you call a lot of times, right? Is it a Cisco problem? Is it an EMC problem? Or is it a VMware problem? 
And when you start talking about convergence, that solves a lot of that finger pointing going back and forth saying, all right, whose problem is it? Mm. And I think that that's what I'm seeing a lot of customers want to get away from is, all right, how do we handle that problem so that my manager's not beating down my door saying, you fix it. Now you have a source to go to say, hey, I can fix this. I think that's that's true. I mean, we get involved and triaged into all sorts of issues, whether no matter who it is. And I used to work for a while at the Postal Service here in Raleigh. And, you know, we had an entire floor of people that did nothing but check firmware codes, make sure they didn't mess this up, drivers that didn't mess that up. And that's all they did every day. And I thought that is the worst job ever, right? But people want to get out of that business, and that's where I see the benefit. What I like is don't just sell me a converged stack. You know, I think I'll throw VCE out here that with their new, what they're doing with Vision and what they're doing with some of their other value adds, I think that's where they're starting to be a true partner and not just what I would call a, you know, putting the stuff together and pre-certifying it, but now they're adding other value to it. And I think until we get there, it's going to be a lot of reference architecture, you know, you know, converged infrastructure discussion, but you give me something where I see that as a box and I'm getting health and I'm getting information and I've got a little fuel meter that tells me when I need to buy another one, and I think you'll see a lot more acceptance of that in the industry. You know, one of the things that, that I've seen in, in some of the different roles that I've been in with some different different organizations, a lot of time the leadership that's within those organizations hasn't changed a whole lot. Yeah. So for for me and my role to go to leadership and say, you know, let's we want to put more of our of our eggs in, in a single basket. Mm-hmm. For them to adopt that change, I think is, is what's gonna be the most challenging part. And you hear, you know, in things like um, Vera Madness here and other events. Uh, you hear, um, you know, Vero and Cisco and EMC saying, oh, you know, we're using B-Block for this and that. But when it comes to smaller, medium-sized organization who's been around for years and years and they're used to doing things this way, um, how willing to change are, are they going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and eventually I think they'll come around, but, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of work involved. And there's a lot there. I mean, it's a lot for me to talk a customer into doing a refresh of the entire stack at one time. I mean, you know how budgets are, right? Mm-hmm. If we were all in this mindset now, it would be a lot easier than flipping those budgets until... So I always say it's the best time to do a converged infrastructure deployment is when you have a funded project that needs something. Because if you just say, my EMC DMX is up on renewal and I'm going to buy a new VMAX, that's, it's going to be really hard for me to, to get in something with UCS and a VMAX and the licensing and this stuff. But if you've got a project, that's great. And I think we're starting to see some of that churn, which is why VC's run rate is going up, of people starting to get in, and then they buy into that methodology. But I think it's, like you said, it's going to take time. It's not as simple as they want it to be. I mean, we're in the midst of a project now of migrating our data center from from one physical location to another. And there's a lot of new, newer technologies out there, converged infrastructure is one of them, that I would love to adopt. But there's a lot of risk involved Mm -hmm. because taking my data center today and completely redesigning it from the ground up, all aspects of it, and presenting that to my leadership, yeah, yeah. they're going to say, "So, so our existing data center, um, right? It is, it <laughs> That's is, right. You know, the new data center is not going to look anything like our existing data center that we've ran off of for for the last two to five years." And I'm going to say, "No, it's not." And they're going to say, "Well, we don't know about that." You know, <laughs> so there's a lot of hesitation there. Yeah. And you know, although the, the newer technologies provide a lot of value and flexibility, mm-hmm. uh, it's completely different on on where things were five years ago, mm-hmm. even last year. So on the customer side, much more evolution than revolution. That's what I'm hearing. Yep. Yeah. All right. So uh, next up, let's go for a juicy one. Um, 
VMware recently announced that it would spin up its own cloud service. What's your initial reaction? And what questions do you have that you're still, anybody, anybody want to jump in on this? I mean, I like that idea. I mean, they're the experts in a lot of realms. So, uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to take off, but we'll see. And interesting to you then in terms of uh, their leadership could drive different things in the marketplace, or do you think it's it's a practical solution? So interested in that, in the engineer interest way or in the applied interest? Um, both. Yeah. Both. So, you know, one, one big thing that I've always wondered with some of the major vendors, for example, is, um, you know, all companies, EMC, for example, um, they were mentioning in a presentation yesterday that they have a lot of the same challenges within their environment as a regular business does. Mm. So... You know, VMware, a lot of people rely on VMware these days for server virtualization, if you want to call it private cloud or whatnot. Um, If they're they're providing cloud services and they're working face-to-face with those customers, providing services to those customers, I think they're going to be a lot more abreast of what what the needs are out there in the enterprise. And I think it's going to – I think they're going to be able to change and, and adapt a lot quicker if they're offering those services directly. Rather than through, um, you know, through a, a rack space or an Amazon or. Um, I think some of it is just a defensive move. I mean, I think, you know, there's a couple of ways to go there. Vero, we do have a managed services, a managed cloud offering. We're very niche and specific in what we do, so we're not a competitor really to what they do or anybody else. But, you know, what I'm seeing in the market is honestly, is service providers don't run VMware. It's too expensive. They can't make money doing it, um, and. So VMware's kind of in a bind. They're in a position where they want to make it easy for customers to extend up to a public cloud or hybrid cloud, but they don't want you extending into a competitor's cloud. So what do you do at that point? You either don't make money as other people build out offerings based on your technology, or you start your own. And so they have done this. And I think from a partner viewpoint, I I like it because it's going to give us an easy path and the tools from VMware to make that a simple migration. You know, as a partner, are they competing? I think you're going to find a lot of people that say yes, even though I don't completely agree with that. Again, if somebody's out there shopping on price, they're not going to use a lot of smaller players like us because we're service, not price. So I think they could have done a great, or I don't say great, they could have done a better job of messaging this, not announced it at a side conference. They could have announced it at Partner Exchange or something like that and prepped a lot of the partners better. In the end, I think it's a decent solution, and I've, I've joked a few times lately. I was like, so when is Cisco, they've built an internal cloud for their use. You know, everybody else is getting in the game. When is Cisco going to start their cloud, right, Rusty? Or when are you guys going to start your <laughs> Let me call John Chambers. <laughs> but I think you bring up a good point. I think there's a lot of pieces and parts that need to be addressed, meaning, okay, cloud in general has, you know, if we said earlier, you know, a lot of definitions of different people, but knowing that, how do you implement it to meet your business requirements? So, for instance, Elijah, you have a policy and procedure set in place as you start transitioning, whether it be VMware or whoever, you have to address those policies, right? And I'm just curious to see how VMware would say, okay, I have policies in place as we go into the cloud, the public cloud. How would we address those? And to be honest with you, I haven't seen a lot of information about VMware's offering, so uh, maybe it's not see. out there, Rusty. Don't feel bad. Yeah, exactly. Basically, said we're going to have a cloud offering. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. So, <laughs> so I mean, to that end, I mean, I think you know you have a lot more questions than answers. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, 
be interested to see what they're going to offer. But, you know, like you said, Jason, there could come a time when Cisco could say, hey, why not? Right. <laughs> so, I, I think we'll see more of that before we see less of it, uh, especially as things start to overlap and compete. I mean, at this point, it's a lot of defensive moves. And my issue is there's not enough standards. You know what? Whoever you're betting on today, you can't get your stuff out easily right now. Mm -hmm. So you better make a good decision because you're going to live it for a long time. Uh, Until that gets straightened out, I think people are very cautious on it. You know, VMware's a nice, well-known name. It's somebody they can believe they can pull their stuff back out of to their environment if they need to. I think they will be successful as long as they don't screw it up. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be interesting to see when it actually launches. So that actually, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say VMware. They've been, um, you know, they've, they've been a leader in, in the market for mm-hmm. quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you guys' opinions around some of the other uh, providers? You know, of, of uh, Hyper-V, for example. Um, I've been I've been reading and hearing a lot more things about Hyper-V last year or so than I had, you know, yep. two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wondered once all the hypervisors are, are very similar and, and like features. Right. Uh, is it just simply going to come down to the cost of licenses? Yes. And, and you know, you, <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, there's a lot of VMware shops out there now. Five years, once all the hypervisors have, you know, similar features, and, I mean, what's I think, it going to come yeah, down to? I think, you know, you, you look at what VMware has that Hyper-V and the other hypervisors don't have. They were first to market, right? So they have a lot of technology and a lot of heritage behind them. And, as Jason said, as time goes on, you'll see these features, the gap between them start getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And so as Hyper-V starts adding these features that traditional VMware customers are accustomed to, assuming the licensing model doesn't go askew, I could totally see the other hypervisors starting to catch up. That's my opinion. We're seeing it. I mean, I'm already talking to customers all the time about tiered hypervisor models. Right now, Hyper-V is not the production, but it's quickly becoming dev and test. VMware's got everybody beat on an ecosystem standpoint, failover, recovery, management, support. And, but VMware's not dumb. They, they bought Dynamic Ops for a reason, mm-hmm. and that reason is there's going to be a day where a hypervisor is a straight commodity, and you don't out Microsoft Microsoft on something like that. Mm-hmm. And so they need to be able to manage across the board. And I think that's also a reason, going back to, the, you know, to this, is that they've started their own cloud. But, I mean, right now, as we speak, David Davis from TrainSignal is in another room doing a tiered hypervisor session talking about this. And we're, I've probably had five or six conversations in the last month of people asking the same things of how do we manage that, how do we do this. We got Hyper-V in our ELA. It's cost us, you know, quote, unquote, nothing. And how do we tier this? And like you said, three to five years, it's going to be a whole different discussion around what you're running. And it's really going to be more about... What's my automation on top of it? How am I automating this? How am I provisioning and how am I managing? Nobody's going to give a damn what you're running on the blades. Comes back to that SD part. That's that it. <laughs> yep. Well, this leads nicely into uh, what's going to be our last question of, with all the new technology and cloud models emerging, how do you keep up with all of it? We sort of interesting. Get on a podcast and ask somebody next to you. There's one method. <laughs> Um, but what? How do you do this? I mean, professionally, just to you know, we're all kind of charged with being on top of everything. How do you do it? Well, I can. I'll speak first as a customer. Um, I get a lot of sales presentations, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I gain a lot of, of knowledge um, just by uh, the sales pitches. And then, of course, um, you know, the, these are knowledge sessions that we have all the time. So, uh, VMware Knowledge Series, for example, uh, Vero Madness, VMworld, all the things out there. And there's a lot of information on the web. Um, you know, you, uh, but you, ha- you have to pursue a lot of it. Uh, the challenge is, is that um, 
once you, you figure that a, a given product's a solution for whatever your business needs, it changes, mm. you know? So, so, you know, I'm in an architecture role. So, um, you know, I say, oh, so we have a problem. Here's a solution. You design it, get it approved, get money for it. And then it changes or there's an upgrade or there's something else. And that, it, I don't want to say it's frustrating, um, but it, it's a challenge, you know? It's a really interesting point. How do you how do you engage with your peers? Do you use? I, I'm going to ask this question. Sorry, Brian. I'm going off the off the script. I don't want to talk about my peers too much. <laughs> well, I, I'm curious. Do you use social media and uh, those kinds of tools to uh, work add to your research as you're going through those solutions? I, I think you have to. Yeah, I think you have to. That's a good answer. That's I mean, what I wanted to hear. I wouldn't yeah. be sitting, <laughs> I wouldn't be here with Amy if it wasn't yeah. for social media and. To me, that is how I do it. People talk about, oh, Google Reader's gone. I don't use an RSS reader anymore. I haven't for a while. Yeah. I use Twitter and let other people sort it out and tell me what's good. Hashtag um, lazy web. Right. <laughs> you know, and for me and probably for Rusty, we yeah. get a ton of training on the products and things we sell and support, almost too much, really. Uh, but outside of that, a lot of it is social media just because there's. it's not that there's – I have to go find information. is mm-hmm. I have to push back and say I only want certain bits and – you know, it's all about agree. that. I would agree as a vendor, like you said, you're inundated with so much, you know, presentation, slideware, whatever it is, from Cisco, for instance. And I know pretty well how to find that information, but VMware, EMC, then you do have to look to other resources. Like mm-hmm. you said, narrow that scope down using stuff like social media to come in and tie it all together because that's the hard part, I think. Yeah. You know, how do you tie it together as a vendor? Is like, you know, with your case, Elijah, you're building out a new data center. That's just not a Cisco product. Right. It's VMware. It's EMC. And the applications that are right on top of that. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered on how you build that out. And that's where those technologies would come in. The, the good thing about it, though, is that, you know, I, I made a comment a little bit ago, and people say this all the time, that, um, you know, enterprise, we all have the same issues. So I'm building a data center. The guy next to me is building a data center. We all have the same issues and, and the same solutions available to us. Um, the good thing about IT, though, is we're very tight knit community Mm -hmm. so we can learn off each other so you know if I have a problem I'll get these guys on the phone send them an email and um, you know it's not it's not difficult Mm -hmm. Uh, social media is is another definitely another easy way to do it but we do a lot I mean I do a lot of lunch and learns for customers and I know a lot Mm -hmm. of customers hate the term lunch and learn because usually it means you know, a box I of food sales pitch. Yes. Sales <laughs> but I won't do those for our customers. So we've started doing a lot of knowledge sessions with people, just bring them up to speed because there's just so much and it changes so fast that, you know, part of the relationship that we try to have is just to enable people to make good decisions. And, and I, I hate nothing more to walk into an environment and see so much potential that they've already put money into that they're not using. So I'm like, let me come in for two hours on Tuesday and I'll give you guys a class on how you're using you know, you got UCS, you're doing great, but you're not really using it like you could. Let me come for two hours because it makes me mad to see stuff mm-hmm. like that go wasted. But there's just so many resources. I mean, what yeah. do you do? Well, and I love the concept y'all are, have all said, which is social media. People, I think it gets uh, pinged as being such a fire hose, but yeah. you're actually talking about it as a buffer, which That's I think is really interesting. Yeah. That in your roles, you're actively getting information pushed to you that's too much, and it's it's this meta this extra filter that allows you to pull things through. Never thought of it that way. I would love to see, you know, patent an idea of follow my Twitter feed and after four people say something about this article, okay, roll it to the top and let me see about it. You know, do almost a real-life page rank voting system out of that to even buffer it more. But that's how I do it. Once I see something mentioned a few times, I'm like, all right, let me go read that. Uh, Else, it's just, it's lost in the flood. 
Yeah, no, I think yeah, that's I true. It's, it's It's got a natural way. I mean, again, we're joking about uh, buzzwords at the top, but there's a reason you start to pay attention to them that's because right. it gets said enough times and yep. clicks. That's really interesting. So what about in terms of those professional skills? So that, that base level research, how do you stay... You know, how do you stay lean and mean? Like you said, you're in the middle of a project and then things change on you. How do you do the other, your other full-time job of sort of staying on top of all that you need to know to be that, that architect? Well, you know, these guys are in the business of, of um, solutions every day. But I have, obviously, operational-related issues, mm-hmm. other business-related issues that I have to address. And I work on several projects at the same time. Um, you know, getting back to relationship and, and uh Valuing relationships, I lean on my partners and vendors for a lot of stuff. Um, you know, these guys can't know everything. I can't know everything, um, but I think if we, you know, put our heads together, right, we can definitely come to a solution. And um, uh, again, one of, one of my challenges is that things change so much. You know, so um, I have to. I'm forced to really lean on the partners like like Barrow and uh, you know vendors like Cisco and EMC. It's, it's funny you lean on us, and then we hit a point. I lean on Rusty, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, my reps will say the same thing. Well, why, you know, does it look good that we bring somebody else in? I'm like, guys, we can't know everything. No, That's what he's here for, right? Let me bring him in for that. And it's it's really a t- more of a team effort. And uh, it, it, it's not easy to stay current on all the base stuff. You know how it is. Yes. Version of UCSM hits. And now I'm like, somebody's asked me, hey, in 2-1, how do you, you know, I wrote the train signal course. And they're asking me about a 2-1 feature. I'm like, I don't want to lie to you, but I haven't used that yet. So. <laughs> but that's the way it rolls down a lot of times when you get to, to said implementation. That's the reason why you have to be, as a vendor or as a partner, rely on your, your yeah. outer networks, if you will. Yeah. You know, you learn a lot from even a customer, right? So as a customer, you can show me things. Hey, look, this is what we did with VMware that's right. and EMC to make UCS better. Yeah. Awesome. Let me take note of that. So you can learn a lot from that's right. you know, the whole environment. I mean, I think, I, you know, my personal opinion, I think the vendors, like Cisco, for example, look on their partners as an extension of their team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the enterprise. I see my partners as an extension of my team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not all enterprises probably like that. That's just my personal opinion. Not everybody's like that. Um, but to be successful, I think you have to you have to value those relationships. Yeah, and it's so interesting because one of the things we were going to get to and didn't um, an article from GigaOM about death of an IT salesman, and it's sort of we talked about it inadvertently here, and it sounds like the IT sales role is very real because it's much less of a sales thing and much more of an ongoing partnership. So I'm yeah. hearing that all around. I think yeah. working for a good bar, one of the things, and, and I'm going to hate that this is recorded at some point, but <laughs> you know, I've got a lot of respect for our salespeople that I didn't have before I took this position, mm-hmm. it is to be flat out. you know, And we've got some people that really care about relationships and we'll talk customers out of doing or buying things that we just don't think are a good choice for them. And I think that it's true. I'm not going to say that about everybody, but there's definitely more of a relationship than I ever expected to see in this kind of space. And But then I look back when I was on the customer side, and I had a great relationship with my bars, and, you know, it's the same thing here. So I think that people need to understand that a little better. Well, we are out of time for this show. Thank you to everyone for the great conversation. If, yeah, absolutely. This was fantastic. If you like the show, uh, we were just talking about social media, please tell a friend or 20 to follow us on <laughs> the Twitter at thecloudcast.net. We like people who are chatty and sharing those things. Uh, so for Amy Lewis and everyone here at Very Madness, thanks to Brian Gracely and Aaron Delp for letting me hijack. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.